amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You wait 70-odd episodes to hear from world-class exponents of animation, and then three come along at once. After we spoke to Nick Park in our last episode, we're now joined by two key figures from Pixar, Writer, director Lee Unkrich and producer Darla Anderson. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the film music podcast brought to you in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Up for one of those at this year's ceremony is Lee and Darla's latest project, the wonderful Coco. The story follows 12-year-old Miguel, a would-be musician who is accidentally transported to the land of the dead where he seeks the help of his great-great-grandfather to return to his family in the land of the living. Like so many of Pixar's previous offerings, it has gone down a storm with both critics and audiences, with a 97% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and gross worldwide takings of $700 million to date. Music is central to the narrative. As well as original compositions performed by the characters, there is a rich score from Pixar stalwart Michael Giacchino. And it's with that we begin, as Lee explains why he wanted to make a movie about the Day of the Dead. Lee, welcome to Soundtracking. Congratulations on Coco. It's Thank you. beautiful. Thank you. But this was something particularly for you that you wanted to tell a story about, about this culture mm-hmm. and about these people. Where did Coco start for you? It really honestly started from kind of a surface place, which is that I had long been fascinated by the Day of the Dead, by Dia de Muertos, yeah. mostly related to all the beautiful folk art and the iconography around the holiday. And that's the same way that I think a lot of people have gotten introduced to the celebration, but they don't really understand the depths of it and what the, the, the meanings behind it really are. And I didn't myself. And so very early on, once I had the notion of possibly telling a story set in this world, I really started into a deep dive to learn as much about it as I could. <laughs> yeah. And what I discovered was that the celebration is not really even about death so much. It's about family. It's about remembrance. It's about the obligation that we have to remember the people that came before us and to keep their memories alive through passing down stories and... Um, gathering every year to just reflect on those people and why they were special to us. And that just seemed like such a beautiful notion to me and and an idea that I thought people around the world could relate to because, you know, it was a bit of a risk to decide to tell such a culturally specific story. But I knew that if we found a way for people to really care about the characters and to relate to it, that it wouldn't matter where you were from or what culture you were a part of. Which is a great message to get across to the world right now as well, you know. I think so. At what point did you want to inject music 
as part of the narrative because that's another universal thing I think with people that resonates and the idea of music being disallowed in your environment is right. terrifying yeah. for me yeah at the very beginning of this process I hadn't come to music yet it yeah. was more just thinking about what kind of story was the right story to tell in this world but at a certain point we came up with the notion of uh, of this main character being a young boy who desperately wants to be a musician but his family doesn't allow music and that seemed interesting to us Abuelita runs our house just like Mama Imelda did No music No music No music I think we're the only family in Mexico who hates music and my family's fine with that. But me? Be back by lunch, mijo. Love you, mama. I am not like the rest of my family. initially started exploring the idea of doing a full-on musical, oh, you know, wow. where characters would break into song. And we pursued that for a little while, but at a certain point, the movie was, was telling me it wanted to be something different than that. That sounds strange, but it just felt to me like, it felt like the movie wanted to be filled with music, but not be a traditional breakout into song musical. Yeah. And so at that point, we had already been working with Bobby and Kristen, uh, Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who wrote all the music, uh, all the songs rather, for Frozen. And um, they had written the song Remember Me for us. So even though we steered away from the traditional musical idea, Remember Me remained a really important part of the bedrock of the movie. <laughs> Say goodbye, remember me Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Remember me A 
another thing that that change allowed was for us to embrace the rich tapestry of, of music in Mexico. Yeah. Because most people, when they think of Mexico, they think about mariachi music, and they don't really know about any other music yeah. beyond that. But while mariachi is an important part of Mexican culture, there are also so many other styles of music, and I really wanted to try to embrace uh, as, as much as I could in the film. And so um, this allowed us to... Uh, to just have a film that was really filled with music, that had music in its DNA, but it was more about the performance of music rather than, you know, like a traditional Broadway musical. Yeah, yeah. It's really interest as well with regards to how music's used differently in each Pixar film. Some of them have contemporary music in them, the Cars films. My three-year-old at the time, thank you Pixar for introducing him to Thunderstruck by ACDC. <laughs> but it's a wonderful way of introducing young people to a great selection of music. But those decisions on whether you use needle drops, whether you write original compositions and whether you use score, how is that, that decision made? It just kind of emerges organically. Mm. I knew there would be moments in this film where we could see musicians playing and I wanted to have traditional music be a part of that tapestry. But we also saw the opportunity to write a bunch of original songs. Um, you know, in our movie, we have this character, Ernesto de la Cruz, who's played by Benjamin Bratt. And he's meant to be the most famous performer ever to come out of Mexico. He's also meant to have created a bunch of songs. So, you know, we had to create those different songs mm -hmm. because it was a fictional character. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. When life gets me down, I play my guitar. The rest of the world may follow the rules, but I must follow my heart. You know that feeling, like there's a song in the air and it's playing just for you? A feeling so close, you will reach out and touch it. I never knew I could want something so but it's true. You must have faith, sister. Oh, but Padre, he will never listen. He will listen to music. Only a song, only a song has the power to change a heart. Never underestimate the power of music. But my father, he will never give his asking permission. When you see your moment, you mustn't let it pass you by. You must seize it. Señor de la Cruz, what did it take for you to seize your moment? I had to have faith in my dream. No one was going to hand it to me. It was up to me to reach for that dream, grab it tight, and make it come true. Bobby and Kristen wrote Remember Me, but then there are also a number of other songs that were co-written by Adrian Molina, my co-director and one of the screenwriters, and a woman named Jermaine Franco, who was another Mexican-American musician that we'd been working with. She's a composer and arranger. Well, everyone knows Juanita Her eyes each a different color Her teeth stick out and her chin goes in and her knuckles they drag on the floor Those aren't the words There are children present Her hair is like a briar 
She stands in a bow-legged stance And if I weren't so ugly She'd possibly give me a chance So it was great getting so many different voices yeah. and people from different backgrounds uh, being a part of the music. And then, of course, we had Michael Cicchino write our score. He's done the music for a number of Pixar films. And I had never worked with him personally, so I, I was excited to have the chance to work with him. Why was Michael the right choice for this? Because as you said, he's done a number of incredible scores for, I mean, Inside Out. It takes my breath away every time I hear it. And I, I was saying to Darl, actually, that I think he's got incredible sensibilities when it comes to composing for animation. And I think it's the same way that you guys approach narrative, is that you don't write for kids. And you don't treat kids right. and talk to them like kids. You talk to them like people. Yeah. And I think that he approaches that similarly with his score and that he's not composing for an animated film. He's no, composing he for a story. Yeah. Michael writes music for a lot of movies and I know that he doesn't approach the movies uh, at Pixar any differently than mm. any other movies he does. You know, very early on in the process, we tried to find a Mexican or Mexican-American composer just because we were trying to have as many people from the Latino community be a part of the film creatively, but we just weren't able to find the right person. And to be honest, our films are very big endeavors and they tend to have a lot of music in them. So a lot of music needs to be written in a relatively short amount of time toward the end. And Michael is just an old pro you know he knows what he's doing he's able to work very very fast and efficiently and on top of it he just has a great way of mainlining right into the emotion of any given scene so there were so many factors and variables on this movie that could go wrong and with Michael I just knew I would be in trusted capable hands and so it was one less thing for me to worry about I knew he would just do an amazing job and he did where Miguel is, is learning guitar and those details about getting that right, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're a guitar player mm -hmm. and you're watching, you go, that's, that's how you do it. You know, we've all seen movies where actors don't really know how to play musical instruments <laughs> yeah. and they either just kind of hide their hands out of frame yeah. a little bit when they're playing the piano or, <laughs> or they'll be strumming the guitar and you'll hear this elaborate playing come that's obviously not them. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll see a crazy actor who learns how to be a, an amazing player yeah. for, a, for a role. But most of the time, that doesn't happen. But I knew that in our world, in animation, there was no reason that we couldn't have all of the playing be spot on accurate. Yeah. And so I said, let's do it. Let's make it right. Maybe most of our audience won't appreciate it, but there will be a lot of people in the audience who are musicians or guitar players who will see it and know that we put in the extra effort to get it just right. And so we did that. We... Anytime we had a recording session for any of the music, we filmed from many different angles. We would attach GoPro cameras onto the necks of guitars Amazing. just to capture all of the little details yeah. of the strumming and the chord fingering so that the animators had reference to really bring it to life in a really accurate way. And I know now that the movie's been out in the world that musicians really do appreciate it. They know it. They know that when Miguel is playing his guitar, that he's really playing the guitar. <laughs> Thank you. 
wonderful for you as well and the fact that these wonderful composers that you've worked with Thomas Newman for example and on on uh, on Finding Nemo and, and Randy of course for Toy Story each one very different and a different experience for you as a director yeah director. They, they're all they're all very different um, they're all great so we've been <laughs> yeah. lucky to work with such great people yeah for a long time it was just Randy Newman he was scoring every single movie that we did mm. and then Andrew Stanton was the first to branch off with Finding Nemo and having Thomas Newman do the score Andrew had always been a huge fan of Tom's I've gotten to work with Randy. Randy did, of course, the music for Toy Story 3. Yeah. He was the only person who could do that, of course. Uh, he's fantastic. And he won an Oscar for We Belong Together from Toy Story 3 too. Yeah. Don't you turn your back on me. Don't you walk away. Don't you tell me that I don't care because I do. Don't you tell me I'm not the one. Don't you tell me I ain't no Like I love you, you know you do. When we're together, gray skies clear up, and I cheer up to where I'm less depressed. And sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I just can't take it when we're apart. We belong. 
but in this case, you know, uh, I think Brad Bird worked with Michael for the first time on uh, The Incredibles. I think The Incredibles is actually Michael's first feature that he ever scored. Wow. And uh, Brad kind of gave him his big break. Michael went on to score a whole bunch of our films. And like I said, I, I was the only kind of senior director at the studio who hadn't worked with Michael. So um, I really wanted to. And it turns out that Michael is a, is a huge fan of, of Mexican music. Um, his parents had a big record collection when he was a kid. And so he was really excited at the opportunity to be a part of this. And he was also very open to our desire to be as culturally authentic as possible. Yeah. And so even though he's typically kind of a one-man band, he works by himself, you know, with a small crew of folks helping him. Um, but creatively, it's, it's always him. But in this case, he was very open about collaborating with other artists, bringing other musicians on board, having Jermaine Franco be a part of uh, helping with the orchestration of the movie, just to bring that level of authenticity that he couldn't be expected to bring on his own. Yeah. Uh, so it ended up being a really great collaboration between a lot of people. terms of the films that you remember watching growing up that resonated with you and the music being part of that reason I know you're a big Shining fan yeah I love the Shining <laughs> and the music's a big part of yeah. why that film is so affecting
mean, she was ahead of her time in terms of electronic music and, and that. Oh, Wendy Carlos, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, there's that music and so much other kind of creepy music that wasn't, most of the music in The Shining wasn't written to be part of a movie. You know, it's a lot of 20th century avant-garde composers. Christoph Penderecki in particular. He's fantastic. shows you what an effect music can have on a movie. I think about it all the time. It's so interesting that certain types of notes or rhythms can give us a certain feeling, and that can enhance the storytelling of a movie. I mean, you could take the same scene and lay five different pieces of music over it and have the audience feel five different things. It's really kind of remarkable. There were a lot of films I saw as I was in college, learning to be a filmmaker, that were affecting. From a musical perspective, one of my favorite films is All That Jazz, directed by Bob Fosse, which is a very musical film, yeah. very rhythm-driven. had a big influence on me. Drunk Love a lot, the Paul Thomas Anderson film, film, and John Bryan did this amazing, quirky, off-center score. Yeah, when I think of a lot of movies that I really love, like, I don't know of any movies that I love where I say, oh, I didn't really like the music in it. Like, (laughs) they all have great music. I have a question for you from my four-year-old. Okay. Would that be okay to play it for you? Of course. He recorded it. He's called Spike. Spike? Yeah. Um, that's his real name? That's his real name. My dad had the same reaction when I told him. <laughs> no, <laughs> I it's... Told him, I, with a kind of raised eyebrow. It's awesome. 
and a really broad Scottish accent going, Spike? <laughs> um, anyway, here's Spike's question for you. Hi, Lee. It's me, Spike. Is there any different dinosaurs in Toy Story 4? And you... when's it going to be out? <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. That was very cute. Um, dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm not working on Toy Story 4 myself every day. I mean, I've seen bits and bobs yeah. of it. I don't know if they're going to be. I can't really answer his question. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Can you ask him? I'll leave it a mystery. I, I will say there are going to be lots of new toys in the movie, so he'll have a lot of new characters to look forward to. And when's it going to be out? I think it's out in 2019. I don't know that we have a release date yet, but I think that's when it's meant Something to come Something to look forward to, Spike. Yes. <laughs> um, Lee, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for what you do, and congratulations on Coco, and I, I expect to see quite a lot of podiums over the next few months as well. Pieces of metal so. in your hands. Thank you, <laughs> it sir. It was great talking to you. Thank Thanks. you very much. Soundtrack to Toy Story, that is of course You've Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman, concluding the first part of Soundtracking with director Lee Unkridge in partnership with the EE e. BAFTAs. Don't go anywhere because we're still to hear from Darla Anderson, who's added Coco to a list of producer credits that includes A Bug's Life, Monsters Inc., Cars and Toy Story 3, which was also directed by Lee. Again, Michael Giacchino's score features prominently throughout the conversation, including his Day of the Dead suite.
Carla, first of all, huge congratulations on Coco. It is such a wonderful film. Thank you so much. You must get emotionally attached to these characters. Yes, I get very emotionally <laughs> attached to them. They are like your children. They are real. You know, mm -hmm. the, these characters become quite real to you, and they are an embodiment of all the artists that work on them. But at the end of the day, they're their own entities. Mm -hmm. So yes, we have a deep attachment, but then you have to let them go. It's like raising a child, and you have to let them go out in the world, and they don't belong to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the longest time, you've kept everybody at bay and protected uh, the film so that it can flourish. And then you have to give it up, and the whole world now owns it, which is also a very cool thing. Because they are loving it. You must be so thrilled with the response and the reaction that the film's been getting and the connection that it's been making with people. Yes, I'm so thrilled and overwhelmed with it. And you never know, right? Everybody at Pixar really loved this film, always. But we all love all of our kids. And so... <laughs> You know, you never know. You don't really know if you can um, count on the enthusiasm of the team and the extended team to translate out in the world. So, uh, so it's been uh, overwhelmingly satisfying and exciting, and also reaffirming that this is such a specific, culturally specific film, yeah. and that people around the world have connected to it so intensely. It just gives me a lot of faith. family element to it is such a wonderful thing and I was watching a beautiful interview that you did with Lee where the pair of you were talking about how kind of following on from being involved in the film you guys yourself have created your own little shrines to family and, yeah. and within Pixar as well is something that everyone's doing. I was listening to the interview a couple of nights ago and my grandfather who was probably my third parent, I was very close to him and so I have two kids who I speak to on a regular basis about him and they feel like they know him even though they never met him. I'm so glad to hear that and yes we have all started doing a friend or altars and there is something about it and when you put the photo up and then you put up their favorite food or things that they loved and you start telling some stories you remember things we're you know we're human and we love stories and then there's a tactile emotional there's something that happens when you honor your ancestors like that that makes everything real and come alive and even I working on this film was surprised by that reaction this Coco experience start for you? Starting point was the summer of 2011. Uh, yeah, it was after <laughs> Toy Story 3, after we had gotten back from the awards, and then we took a few weeks off, and then we came back to work refreshed and started banging about some ideas. And Lee had always uh, sparked towards Dia de Muertos. He loved the imagery, and so did I. I've always been very into it. I had participated in several of the parades in San Francisco. I lived in Mexico for a while when I was in college and mm. so on. And so it started then.
We pitched the idea to the studio. Well, we pitched three ideas, and this one actually rose to the top that everybody was interested in. Yeah. And so we then jumped down to Mexico and started doing research. And so it would be the fall of 2011 when we jumped on a plane and went down to all the small towns mm. and big cities that were celebrating Dia de Muertos. Now music with this film is important in two lights. First of all, it's part of the narrative, but also the score that Michael created. He's one of my favorite composers, and I just think he has such a, a unique sensibility in the way that he approaches animation in particular. Yeah, he, he definitely does. And Michael, uh, well, it's the first time that Lee and I got the opportunity to work with him, and it turned out that Michael always wanted to do something with music from Mexico. And wow. so that was a happy coincidence. Yeah. And um, he's just a delight to work with. He's so talented. He takes it so sincerely seriously. And he was such uh, an amazing partner. And I think he did a brilliant job on the score. do anything and he partners so well so we started talking to him so early on earlier on than I think even he's used to okay because we had so much different kind of music and we wanted all the fingering and the chords and all of the instrumentation to be right for animation so as we were going along we he had to provide us with various pieces of music so that we could get it correct so that anybody watching the film would <laughs> if anybody ever wants to play the guitar, they can watch Miguel playing the guitar and learn from his his fingering and his chords. Señoras y señores, buenas tardes, buenas noches, buenas tardes, buenas noches, señoritas y señores. Esta noche estar aquí es mi pasión, qué alegría, pues la música es mi lengua y el mundo es mi familia. Working with Michael for the first time on this and, and Randy obviously in the Toy Story films and uh, Finding Nemo was Thomas Newman. A wonderful opportunity for you to work with these different composers. Is that something that for you as a film fan that you you really pay attention to or that really resonates with you? Absolutely. I mean, the score is one of the pieces of the soul of the storytelling and the, the part that brings the full emotion to mm -hmm. its 
crescendo. <laughs> no, it brings it to its full completion. And, you know, the lighting is part of it. Certainly the acting is, but the music really brings everything together. And you don't take it lightly. When you're on these films and you go out to the stage and all the musicians come on and the conductor taps his baton, we all go out there and we talk to all the musicians and we tell them a bit about the story because they don't know yet. And we tell them what it's about and what it means to us and how appreciative we are that they're there. And it's an extraordinarily special moment that you have anywhere from 80 to 110 musicians there and and you're sitting there in, in greatness, mm. listening to it all. In the case of this film, we had so many, it so happened that Michael already worked with so many Latino uh, musicians, um, and they certainly added more and some really specific uh, indigenous um, instruments to the orchestra, mm. and it was very, very, very rewarding and exciting, and you don't take it for granted. It only lasts a couple of weeks in total, and uh, it's movie magic. When you look back at the films that you've worked on over the past 25 years, what do you think? Um, I think I'm in, <laughs> inordinately grateful for this incredible journey. This is my fifth film. I'm very proud of all of them. What you guys did with Toy Story 3 was just absolutely incredible. I don't think I've ever cried like that <laughs> <laughs> a film. <laughs> Ever, um, it was. I did too. Yeah. I cried too every single time I watched it. So, and it's go. still, you know, it's kind of that's what's what great about having kids. Not that you need an excuse to watch these films again, but we watch them all the time. And right. these characters, you never tire of. Well, that's great to hear. You know, we work at a company that allows us to take our time on these movies. They take anywhere from four to seven years. This one yeah. took six, and a whole bunch of that is making these characters real mm. so they have a lot of depth to them and so then you feel like you're just visiting old friends hopefully that's our intention when you're watching it again you turn it back on and go oh, there's Miguel and there's this whole family and they feel somehow like you know them what's great as well is that my kids are now they're so up to speed on on the films that they look for all the references to the other films so they spotted the pizza parlor car whizzing past at the start yeah this uh, one says pizza planeta pizza planeta yeah. yeah whose decisions is that is it all of you as a team you yeah i mean i mean we we always have the pizza planet truck we always yeah. have the luxo ball yeah company and we always have a, a 113 on uh room or door because it was from the cal arts days yeah. from all the guys and so those are almost in every film, except I think Pizza Planet didn't make it into The Incredibles. The Incredibles made it in this. Yes. The poster. Yeah, because we usually, you saw it. Wow. <laughs> or your kids saw it. It's, I saw that one. That was it, my own. That show. is hard to see. So, well, it's, good job. When they're going into uh, Land of the Dead, the poster's there, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're very good. 
I can barely see it, so good job. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the director has the final say on almost everything. But the team is constantly putting in little Easter eggs everywhere. Mm. And so, you know, the sets team or the animation team or all the various teams are all constantly planning little things. And then Lee and I, but you know, we're like, that's wonderful. Like, absolutely keep it. So yeah. there's probably a lot more in there that I don't even know about. So <laughs> I hope. Yeah, if we taste it, I hope it's it an endless uh, font of yeah. enjoyment for people. Oh, Darla, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. Thank My you. My pleasure. Was a book. Little bug, hardly there. How he felt, what he dreamed, who would care? Without any evidence, his flaws were many. He was full of confidence. Some people haven't any. Didn't have much common sense. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 